We can sing kumbaya around the campfire. Are you the DJ? No, I'm the vampire. Hello and welcome back to Scream 101. I'm Brennan. And I'm Sergio. And Brennan is the host of Scream 101. We're both the hosts of Scream 101. We're well, the host and I'm like, well, you're the professor and I'm just the bubbling student. Yeah, I mean, but that's the whole point of the show. Without you, it would just be me being annoying to no one. I'm sure people would tune in for that. Maybe. I'm sure there's some people who like, you know, highfalutin analyses of their horror musicals. Yes. Which uh, is the category of this month's genre yes it is and this is actually the last week of musical month we're gonna be reviewing rockula but first let's do some 10 word reviews of movies that we watched this week okay so as many people who count my words every time i do these reviews i cheat um and the graduate is no exception okay uh the graduate uh meandering and loveless the graduate elevates the slice of life genre Ooh. okay mine is a masterpiece of generational discord still seductive after five decades yeah Good one. Annabelle Creation. Annabelle helps set up James Wan's expanded horror puppet universe. Nice. He does love puppets. That he does. And my review of Annabelle Creation is a fun spook em up that don't dig too deep. <laughs> All right. And last but not least, Psycho. Anthony Perkins. Oh, God. Anthony <laughs> Perkins' gaunt appearance both terrorizes and arouses viewers in this classic thriller. Mine is also erotically charged, but it's, I want to hang up a shirtless John Gavin poster. <laughs> okay. He plays Sam Loomis, one of the main characters. We have different types, I can tell. I guess so. I'm more John Gavin. I like more the- more Anthony Perkins. I guess that- No, we, you, you switched him up. No, it's not how that works. Oh, I know. Oh, God. But, like, it, you get my, what I'm saying? My brain is melting. Um, It's still August, and so it's still- It's not as hot as it's been, but it's, it's still, like, not ideal. unpleasantly warm. Yes. Um, anyway, uh, we're reviewing Rockula, the 1990 epic rock musical. Not to be confused with this summer's big smash hit, Rock Dog. <laughs> I forgot that existed. <laughs> um, but yeah, here's the plot off of Amazon, where we watched it, where it's streaming on Prime, so you should check it out. Check it out if you I have guess. a subscription. Um, Wasn't that bad. Yeah. A young vampire cannot lose his virginity because of a curse imposed upon him centuries ago. As always, uh, just woefully inefficient to describe the plot at all. Yeah, I was gonna say, how did you find this movie? Um, actually, I listened to well, I listen to and occasionally sit in on recordings of Shockwaves, which is the Blumhouse podcast, mm-hmm. and someone mentioned it like a weeks ago, like maybe a year ago, and it just really? like stuck in my craw, and I was like, I gotta check this out. Mm-hmm. And um. Anyway, we always uh, we rate our movies on scariness, uh, campiness, effects, and quality out of five. But first, let's talk about the plot a little more just to explain a little more of what we're talking about. And we're going to spoil this movie. Uh, not we that are. It we're definitely going to spoil it. Okay. This might help you understand the movie, to be honest I don't with you. know if anything will help with that. So, so Dean Cameron is our main guy. He's a vampire with perfect eyebrows. Mm-hmm. Um, he wouldn't be out of place in like a late-season Buffy episode. <laughs> Um, and he, his mom is Tony Basil because basically every other oh, actor, Tony, you're so fun. You're so fun. You blew my mind. Hey, Tony. Yeah. Hey, Tony. Basically, um, every other actor in this movie is a cameoing eighties, one hit wonder 
Rockstar. <laughs> well, or as as a ambiguous as the phrase ro- the term rock can get. Um, but anyway, yeah, I thought that was one of the cooler aspects of the movie. Honestly, like yeah. you would be at my knowledge of the eighties is like there's nothing. It's uh-huh. like ankle deep uh and so like as we were watching the movie brandon would be like oh that's the person who made that one one hit wonder and there was another one and then there's their friend right there and i was like oh that's cool like i got music knowledge as well as horror knowledge yeah absolutely film. like bo diddley's in this movie um um thomas dolby who did she blinded me with science is like she blinded me with science yeah she, he's like the main antagonist um and it's not that they're good actors but they're just excited to be in a movie and it's yeah. fun um, but yeah, sorry. Where is this guy? This is kind of starting off slow. Let's speed up well, a little we're, bit. We're speak, We're explaining the plot. Yeah, Dean Cameron. Um, Perfect eyebrows, man. He's he's a four hundred year old virgin. He's like an ancient vampire he's boy. He's older than that, isn't he? I just wanted to make that joke. You know. Okay. Forty year old times ten. Okay, I got you. He's like ten Steve Carells. Um. So he he fell in love with this woman named Mona. And she got killed by a pirate with a rhinestone peg leg, which I'm pretty sure yeah. rhinestones no, didn't no. exist in the 16th okay, century. Just so you're familiar, the pirate has a rhinestone leg on his on his person. Uh-huh. Uh huh. He kills her with a ham bone, though. Yes. Um, that point is driven home countless times for whatever reason. Yeah, and these are phrases I never thought I would say on this podcast. The plot's really weird. Anyway, so. This girl gets reincarnated every 22 years, and every 22 years on it, like Friday the 13th, he meets her again, and he has until Halloween that same month to like. It's not entirely clear whether he's supposed to like bite her or have sex or just like save her life, but like every 22 years, the pirate comes back to murder her. <laughs> uh huh. I think it's a pirate, not the pirate. Just yeah, it. It doesn't really make sense, and we get all of this explained to us by uh, the exposition bartender, um, who just works at a bar that he goes to all the time. And she's played by Susan Tyrell, who played the crazy aunt in Night Warning, which you've all clearly seen in probably is in your DVD collection right uh-huh. now as we speak. It it experienced a small resurgence recently because it was just put on, or it's about to be put on Blu-ray, and also uh, Bill Paxton, who recently passed away, has an early role in that oh, movie. Okay. So people are talking about it in the horror the Paxton heads realms, yeah. Um, the Pax taxes, I don't know. Yeah, whatever. yeah. She's not quite as crazy as she was in Night Warning, but still a very weird presence. And it's like, what are you doing here? Um. Anyway, so the exposition makes no sense. How 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 in any way he's actually a vampire makes no sense. It, yeah, he doesn't really abide by the typical vampire rules that we've come to know and no. expect out of our vampire creatures. Yeah, because cause vampire movies, they always pick and choose with what affects their vampires. Yeah. Um, but this one, sunlight doesn't affect him because he has sunblock. Um, garlic and crosses just kind of don't affect him, and he never mentions why. No, it does spice up his food, though. Yeah, and he... He has a reflection, biggest of all. Oh, yeah, he has has a reflection. The reflection is a major character in this movie. It's like a whole separate character that is also played by Dean Cameron, but in different outfits and, like, having sex with women, I get Mirror women? Yeah. Um, So if you're following us correctly, the main character that we follow, Dean Cameron's – does he have a name, the vampire? Ralph. Ralph. A.K.A. um, Rockula. Is a virgin, um, whereas his reflection in the mirror is not – is yeah. quite the womanizing vampire. Yeah, and I, I thought the reflection in the mirror was representing the vampire he would become once he finally, like, 
uh, like mans up and like saves the lady or whatever. Uh-huh. But that doesn't happen. The reflection's just a reflection who's just like a different person, and I don't know what that means. It's never explained. Nope. Um, and he also doesn't eat people. He drinks blood from like the Red Cross, but he doesn't bite anyone. He's not a vampire. He's just a kid with a lisp because he has fangs in. Yeah, and one of the weirdest scenes in the movie is um, uh, Ralph runs into his mother and her lover when they're sharing a bath together. And he tells his mother's lover, like, oh, I'm a vampire, as if, like, for a living. And uh-huh. the lover just breaks out laughing. And it was just the oddest thing. Really? Sergio did ask, is this the second part of, like, a trilogy or something? Because we're not getting enough information here. There's, like, no information on the universe that this takes place in. No, it's very confusing. It makes no sense ever. But anyway, so the girl he's in love with, she's in a rock band. So he starts a rock band called Rockula with his bartender buddy um, to impress her or something. Mm -hmm. And then they, like, fall in love. It's another musical where it's mostly, uh, most of the music is delivered through actual like in universe stage performances, uh-huh. except randomly for one sequence that turns into a straight up musical sequence. Which scene was that? Um, the one where they're like, they kiss for the first time, and then he like runs away, and then they're trying to find each other on like. Oh yeah, Skid that Row. was a dream sequence though. No, well, it, it, but was it? Yeah. It, it turned out to be a music video, but like, um, I don't know. It didn't make any sense. But the editing on that scene could have been better. But as I take it, it was a dream sequence that happened as they were kissing. Like, I guess the song displayed their emotions. Um, no, but it, it was a music video because then it pans out to her it, premiering it as a music video. Right. To the three little girls. Yeah. So um, and the pirate embarrasses her apparently in front of those three. We, we're we're Marianne. We're like just going off topic here. The movie makes no sense. It's so, like just trying to sort out the details is a really frustrating and mind boggling yeah, experience. We have to like start reviewing. Otherwise, we're just going to get lost in the. OK. Um, What's your scariness score? This will be fast. All right. My scare one. Five. One. Five. One. Five. What were you scared of? Nothing. Not understanding, like, the plot, being further confused. I mean, there is a sort of existential dread that comes with the movie in the fact that, like, this is something I completely don't understand, and I thought I understood the world that I live in, and now I realize that I completely don't. And what else don't I understand? That's true. That's how I felt when, like, I realized Santa wasn't real. Yeah, exactly. Sorry to any children who are listening (laughs) this. This this movie rips away the shroud that we live in a comprehensible and, like, rational universe. Mm Mm-hmm. Anyway, <laughs> so that's scary, but the movie's not. <laughs> Nothing else to add to that. <laughs> I think you pretty much hit the nail on the head there. Okay, uh, what's your campiness score? This should be a more uh, robust conversation. Uh, well, this one, I'm like split between a four and a five. Um, okay. The campiness is off the chain because uh, there really isn't any rules that I feel this movie abides by. Not at all, and as so we explained by the fact that the lead is a vampire who does not not a single vampire thing. Yeah, um, and they just play around a lot. To me, it was a good time movie, so I'll give it that. Like, if a movie has a really high campiness rating, you can, like, be guaranteed that it's a fun time to watch with family and friends. Yeah, that, that's a party recommendation movie. Yeah. Um. So, what are some of the things that I found truly... What was your campiness score? Yeah, Um. I gave it a four. I stuck with four. Because uh-huh. I thought there were parts that were a little too boring for me to like commit to giving it a five. It was boring. I guess maybe nothing. We I just... found so many things just in the background. Okay, you're right. Remember there... the balloon man? Yes. We need to talk about the balloon guy. The balloon people, I should say. Well, let's start with uh, Faden. All right. <laughs> um, the uh, Dean Cameron and the girl who's 
no one i don't know Mona. Her, name, her name is tawny something so i assume she was a stripper <laughs> <laughs> um no that's unfair but that is a stripper name no a stripper name is like champagne okay fine Crystal, she was a cheerleader alizé she was definitely a cheerleader in high school <laughs> um but anyway so um they're on a date and they're like just walking through the the one set of a city street that this movie has uh-huh. um the old street on the town square. Yeah, of New York, I guess. Was it set in New York? They mentioned the tri-state area at one point. That could be anywhere. They were within it. What are the three states? Someone tweeted us. <laughs> New York, Vermont, and Connecticut is my guess. I'm going to what the tri-state area is. Okay, so I'll just keep explaining the scene. Okay. So they're walking like down their stairway, and there's this guy leaning as casually as, I don't know, a statue uh-huh. <laughs> against this wall. He d- does not move a muscle. He's completely rigid, and his arm is out in front of him at, like, a 90-degree angle, and he's clutching this giant bunch of balloons, like like a balloon seller at Disneyland. He's got dozens of balloons just clutched tightly in his white-knuckled fist. Yeah, it's a lot of balloons, and they're, like, pink and red and I think maybe even white. Yeah, and I was like, I assume, assumed he was selling them, but this man does not move. Uh-huh. He does not interact with any of the extras. He's just there. Uh-huh. He is a fixture. And not only that, as the scene progresses, we see at least two other people that are also just clutching balloons. It's some sort of epidemic, or I, I don't know what's happening, but that was that was a really fascinating sequence. Yeah, um, and apparently a tri-state area can be anything. What? Yeah. Really? Yeah. It's like, not a specific three there states? There are a number of areas in the 48 contingent United States known informally as tri-state areas. Um, well, uh, but the tri-state area is the one that has New York in it. Well, the New York metropolitan area, which covers parts of the states of New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. Okay, those are perhaps them. the most commonly identified tri-state area. Yes. It is often referenced in New York radio as well as through countless movies and television commercials. Like Rockula. Like Rockula. Anyway, so there's all kinds of stuff. Um, one of Tony Basil's boyfriends is some sort of biker chef who has a sparkly, glittery apron on. What did the apron say? Nothing. It was just sparkly. Okay. Tony Basil is incredible in this movie. She's great. She gives like a sleepaway camp ant level performance of just wackadoo crazy outfits. Mm-hmm. Um much like Paris Hilton in Repo the Genetic Opera, I assume she just provided all her own outfits, and they're, like, really sexy and really just ridiculous. And, oh, God. She wears all kinds of, like, little dongles and fabrics and just all kinds of things that shouldn't mix, but they work. Yeah. And when he brings the girl over to have dinner with his mom, they have coffee out in the drawing room, and she makes an entrance. She, like, swoops in with a cape and a fog machine and performs a whole music video while the girl's, like, sipping her coffee, just smiling blankly, trying to impress her. (laughs) Ah, this is why I want to have kids, you know? So you can ruin their lives? Yeah, so I can buy a fog machine, make a grand entrance. It's all about me. You can do that at any time. Like, we can be... Uh, what could we? What when? Like we can be walking into your average sandwich shop. I'll bust out the fog machine. I'll hook it up and be like, "Okay, ladies and gentlemen, introducing your newest paying customer, mm. Brennan." You're right. Like Brendan, Brandon. No, no, Brennan. Oh, I got you. All right, Brennan. You're right. Whatever. <laughs> um, but there's also a scene with Tony. Tony Basil is just the epitome of what the weirdness of this movie. But there's a part where she's like, oh, I'm, I'm off to meet with my girls group. It's pistol range night. And she pulls out a gun. Yeah. And just like, that was ra- so yeah, ra- 
And she, she like waltzes out the door of the club and everyone sees her and like backs off. Yeah. That's what I imagine life is like in Texas. All of a sudden you're just talking to someone and they pull out a pistol. Yeah. Like, Hold my Glock for me, yo. It's crazy. Maybe they won't say yo. Hold my Glock for me, y'all. Y'all. There we go. Yeah, definitely. Um, But she, what was I going to say? Yeah, there's some stuff like that that's actually intentionally funny. Mm-hmm. And then there's some stuff that's like low budget funny. Um, like the balloon guy. The balloon guy. And then there's stuff that's very transparently trying to be funny and completely failing. I don't know. They. I feel like the spirit of this movie is displayed in the fact that our vampire friend has one very key vampire-like quality oh, to Oh, yes. Him. His one vampire power. <laughs> Explain it to our people. No, I want you to do this. Okay, so... What can vampires do uh, that nobody else can do? They can change into vampire bats, right? Yes, I've heard this. Fly into the night and fly away. Um, Children of the night, what music they make, etc. Yes, beautiful. Um, uh, Ralph here, however, hasn't used this ability in quite some time. So when he attempts to transform into a bat, he turns into something of like uh, an Ewok meets a bat. Yeah, like, meets a like a like a Harry and the Hendersons miniature action figure. Yeah, it's mainly an Ewok though. It's this is a little little baby bat <laughs> that like could have been played by Warwick Davis, but it just has Dean Cameron's face like inside its grotesque furry maw. Yeah, and when it moves, it it's makes fun. little fart sounds. It's really not this funny, but... But later he uses that power to scare Thomas Dolby into submission or something. Oh, it's so weird. Thomas Dolby, it should be mentioned, is the the pirate. Yeah, he becomes the the newest incarnation of the pirate that's going to try to kill this girl. Yeah, um, and who is convinced to be the pirate that kills the girl with the ham bone by Tony... Tony, what's her face? Tony Basil. Tony Basil. With a French accent holding a big fan in front of her face so you can't see it and i'm like of course this is going to be revealed to be someone in this movie i had no idea that was going to happen i was just like who's this random psychic character it's again, so I knew nothing. weird i knew nothing about this universe so again i've seen the whole movie and i still don't anyway um there is a part it's just so perfectly random i feel like my like as i'm talking my quality score is rising really because you had so much fun I don't know. It is fun to talk about. I didn't like enjoy it. No, I didn't. No, no. Why would you? It's not good. And especially the first 15 minutes, I wanted to turn it off. I was like, I can't handle this. Yeah. I was like, I was going to give you the option. Like, Hey, if you want, we can like find another horror musical. Yeah. And it's not good. Okay. I'm going to stick my quality score where it was, but it's fun to talk about. Mm -hmm. And it'd be, it's a decent party movie. Mm -hmm. I do feel like this is a movie that, you watch and love as a kid and then you grow up and watch it again and realize it's not that good. You mean to tell me that Halloween town was not the greatest movie ever? Probably not. But I just feel like we skipped right to the second step. We're watching it now and realizing it's not that good, (laughs) but it's still like interesting and fun. That's true. That's how I felt like when I saw Lost caution years later. Really? Yeah. Okay. I mean, like, when I showed it to you, like, years ago, I was like, oh, this movie has some really slow parts in it. Yes, it does. And it was like, it's not the, like, dramatic passion thriller that I thought it once was. I mean, it is that, but not quite to the level that it had on, like, first watch uh-huh. when I was a youth. I I, I respect that. Right. Um, but, oh, there's just such a random, beautiful, like, bad moments. And look, I, I love Dean Cameron. 
He's a he's a handsome man with he's very attractive, wonderful caterpillar eyebrows, um, and I do think he does do some good work in this movie because he creates two totally distinct characters. He um, what two characters? There's oh, Ralph the, and then there's Mirror Ralph. Yeah, you're right. And those are like th- our Ralph is very nebbish and like virginy, and the other Ralph is just like really suave and cool. Mm-hmm. And like he pulls them both off, and that like it's not like a masterclass in acting. But like he's doing something, and he's mm-hmm. bringing two characters to this, and like mm-hmm. good job. Yeah. But also the the broad comedy this movie asks of him is not. He does not rise to the challenge always. I think he did okay. He did. Fine. I'll I'll defend him and say that you know what he was pretty good. I liked his character. He was zany and dopey. And one yeah. thing that we haven't mentioned so far is that like this movie gives really strong like made for TV uh, vibes. Movie. Yeah, vibes. There you go. Um. And I thought, like, if this was a made-for-TV film, like, if it was on the Disney Channel or uh-huh. Lifetime or any of those networks that like to make original content, it would have fit in just perfectly along with that. No, you're totally right. I, I do believe from my research, I couldn't find any information on box office, but it also wasn't made-for-TV, so I do believe it was a direct-to-video movie. Okay. Um, it, it was made by Canon Films, who made a bunch of crap, um, some of which is really fun, like... The Texas Chainsaw Massacre too, um, but they made that. Yeah. Wow. Which one? Which Texas Chainsaw Massacre two? Isn't there a sequel recently? Like one with Matt Bomer? No, but the the original sequel to the original movie. Okay. And that one was a prequel to a remake, so it's not even any whatever. Okay, it was a sequel though. Sort of everything. It's very confusing. Um, but there's only one movie with the title that I said. Anyway, back okay. to my point. Good job. Um, Dean Cameron has one like blissfully beautiful moment of bad acting that's partially because it's a totally unmotivated line in the script. Because we've just been watching the movie and their drama, and then it cuts to like his bartender friends, and they're like, we haven't seen Dean Cameron in a while. What's up? And then he walks in, and he's just like, I'm back. <laughs> and it makes no sense, but it's this weird proclamation that's so loud and excited. <laughs> Yeah. Um we have we have to move on. It's like as if um uh your friend went to go get a drink of water while you're studying in the library. Yeah. And then uh all of a sudden they come back and announce I'm back. It's like you really didn't need to do this. Yeah. Your friends knew where you were. And we I mean I guess those friends it. didn't. But uh like the people that, you know what I mean. Yeah, it was just very weird. Mm-hmm. Um, it was uncalled for. Mm-hmm. And this movie doesn't know how to establish anything as it as ex, as ex, we've experienced in mm-hmm. trying to explain anything about the mythology or the plot of this movie yeah but it also like we know that halloween night is a really important thing but it, it in no way ever establishes that the final scenes take place on halloween night right like um and people were in costume sort of i guess you're right but um it wasn't like they were working up towards it there was no real like built up of tension yeah there was no ticking clock uh-huh. And literally, like, there's, like, a montage, and then Dean Cameron's sitting... Actually, to correct you, at the end of the movie, they were checking their watch to make sure that Mona lived past midnight. Okay, yeah. Well, it, it became clear eventually, but they never they never said the phrase Halloween mm-hmm. on Halloween. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, it's, it's not copyrighted. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, like, they, they, they say, like, oh, are you ready for tonight? And it's like, I guess I can assume it's Halloween. Yeah. But it's not totally clear. Oh, it's so... Oh, it's the worst. Um... What's your FX score? Um, my F- two. I also gave it two, for um, I assume the same reason. Yeah. Uh, 
I thought that they were okay slash decent music sequences. I'm talking about the sequences themselves, not okay. like the actual content of the sequences. You mean you um, did not like the music? No. It's in, not good. Yeah, and in terms of production, uh, it was okay slash decent. Okay. I just gave it a two because of the fart bat monster. <laughs> yeah, that was the other thing that I listed. Uh-huh. The bat transformation. Oh, um, and one thing that I liked was the props. At one point, our friend, the pirate... Thomas Dolby. There you go, Thomas Dolby. He gets into a cryogenic pod, and we see him slowly being frozen. Oh, yeah. Oh, I forgot. that. There's a great line there, because for some reason, he's like a, he does infomercials about like coffins you can buy. It doesn't he make does the sense. Weirdest things. He's like a friggin' entrepreneur. Yeah. He's so diversified, because he also has a death world. Yeah, that's like a theme park, I guess. Uh-huh. Or I'm it's sure I've seen him on a billboard for like accidentes, you know. Yeah. Come reach out to him if you <laughs> have been in a traffic accident. He's just like it's not clear whether he's a salesman or a music producer, but he's just kind of like generally sleazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a part where he's he's been advertising this like cryogenic coffin, and you, you can play like self help tapes um, while you're like cryogenically frozen, so that when you're reanimated, you you're better or you speak yeah. Spanish or whatever. But the one that's playing um, is like a golf tape when he gets frozen and vanquished. And it's like, just picture your nine iron as an extension of your penis. Mm. Oh, it's so good. It's such that was a, really funny. Mm, it's beautiful. A lot of people like really spout that kind of thing to themselves as they're playing golf. Mm, probably the president. Have you, ever, <laughs> have you ever played golf, Brennan? I've played mini golf. Oh, yeah. I played that too. I sucked. Remember when we played mini golf at that one place? I do. It was great. I, you got a hole in one. Who gets a hole in one? Uh, lots of people. Okay. Whatever. Good job. Thank you. I'll take it. Let's talk about quality. Quality. Oh, I gave this one a three. Okay. Really? Yeah. Okay. Because I still, I already committed to giving it a two out of five. Mm-hmm. Um, because quality wise, still not good, but I enjoyed it. No, you're right. Like to pick up where I left off earlier, like the music in the actual movie was uh. terrible. They didn't make really make any sense. It was um, very to me. It was very Phineas and Ferb, like Disney rock. Yeah, like music that just has words to a tune, and that tune goes on for like two to three minutes. Uh-huh. It may not really make sense if you actually listen to the lyrics. It rarely um, does. It's not good. The rhymes are not always like you know, present. On point. <laughs> uh, but you know, it's just it has music for the sake of music. Okay. I agree with you that the music is not good basically at all. Uh-huh. There's one chorus of one song where I was like, oh, this is not bad. Um, but what I think it's a very interesting cultural document because it caught music in one of the weirdest transitional okay. periods it's okay. ever been in. Good thing you explained yourself because I was like, I'm not going to let you get away with referring to this movie as a cultural document. It is. Um, incidentally, like, because it's depict it's trying to appeal to a mass culture that was in flux uh-huh. because we were in between the eighties and the like hair metal and new wave bands like Duran Duran and all that crap. And then um, we, we were just on the cusp of like grunge and Nirvana and, and Soundgarden rap. and like rap becoming more of a thing. And I don't know, Billy Ray Cyrus. Um, but there's this really transitional period where it has like all these, 80s like one hit wonder stars trying to do rock music of the 90s and it's just this weird mashup and then there's a sequence where um rockula briefly becomes rapula and he's basically eminem 
performing a terrible rap. Tony Basil also has a rap, by the way. Um, it's just this weird melange of all of these terrible, tacky, like pop interpretations of different genres, mm-hmm. and it's super interesting. Brennan's right. I did find that interesting after he pointed it out to me. Uh, had I been watching the film on my own, I could not have said, you know what? Hey, this is this is cool for X, Y, and Z reasons. Um, uh, I did think it was kind of like a a, a rehash of all the Robin Sparkles videos yes. from How I Met Your Mother. Uh, how she has that sweet like 80s bop tune to her at the beginning or I guess in the 90s and she goes through a grunge phase. Yeah. I don't think missing from her repertoire was a uh, was a rap uh, sound a song, but no, there, there's a rap breakdown in Let's Go to the Mall. Oh, there is there? Yeah, there is. Uh, um, with the robot thing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I cannot remember it for the life of me. Yeah. But it's like, oh, turn around, who should I see? Prime Minister Brian Marooney. He said, young lady, I don't approve. So I had to get down a bus of tasty move. Yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, that that uh, whole situation yeah, of uh, white people attempting to rap. Yeah, that was a good that was a good show. All right, anyway, back to this the the task at hand. Um it was interesting to see the art of the time reflected in this miserable excuse for art. Yes. It's like do I recommend Rockula? I recommend uh, it if you have the Prime subscription and you're looking for a yeah. way to pass the time and you're already buzzed. You have to watch it with someone. Yeah. It, this would be a completely miserable experience alone. Yeah. Um, you just be shouting at the TV like me when I watch the Fox News. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a curio. It uh, if if you're if you like bad movies, it's a pretty fun one. But it's still bad. Yeah. Anyway, how are you? At the uh, end of all this, uh, how are you feeling about just like the world and rock music? The world and rock music? Um, how do you feel about Dean Cameron? This is a question I want to ask. Because this is your first exposure to when him. When I saw him, I was like, he's very attractive. Yeah, and then you mentioned to me that you had a crush on him. And I was like, oh, uh-huh. this man couldn't be more hideous. Um, yeah, so, you're very jealous. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> having said that, um, he's attractive. Um, he fits in perfectly with a certain style of uh screen writing screen art sure um he you know who he'd be perfect as yeah. he'd be great it's like a ted like a bill and ted no it's like a ted on how i met your mother okay like kind of a wimpy but handsome wimpy but handsome ish like not too attractive but like you know movie like tv attractive yeah he's not like hot mm-hmm. but he has he definitely has a compelling face uh-huh. he's goofy and kind of funny probably but not like the funniest person on screen no he's not um that would always be tony basil <laughs> yeah um so that's where i would put him on that okay well uh how would you how do you just how do you feel after dean cameron's performance um again i i, I was mildly impressed by the uh his ability to distinguish between the two mirror characters because you could always tell who was talking Mm -hmm. because the camera made almost no attempt to help you make visual sense of who was talking at any time. Mm -hmm. But his performance really guided you through it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there were a lot of uh, wackier moments that were kind of, were not committed to fully, Mm -hmm. Um, but not bad. I, I enjoy him. Anyway, um, that should wrap up this conversation, probably. Um, It's been a weird month, and we're going to uh, 
finish that on the last day. Or we're going to kind of talk about the whole spectrum of this month on the last day of... Is it the 30th or the 31st? How many days does this month have? I think it's 31. Yeah, I think so, too. We'll see you on the 31st, but until then, here's how you can contact us. You can find us on Twitter, Scream101Pod. Facebook, Scream101Podcast. Email us at Scream101Podcast at gmail.com. Subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. Give us a nice review. Why not? Um, Tell us your favorite horror movie, and we'll read it on the show. Kill by Kill does something like that, so I'm like, maybe it'll help. Okay. Anyway, our theme song is A Beat for You by Pseudo Echo off their album Autumnal Park. And until next time, good luck on your journey, everyone. And stay gold. Peace out. This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me. It's podcasts for the weird at heart. Hello there. I'm Uncle Ponyboy. Do you like suspense? Don't go in there. Buckets of blood and human excrement? Pour upon me. Gratuitous nudity with more boobies than you can handle? Let me see them. And radical hairstyles? Oh, yeah! Then you should check out the Gorgab Podcast, hosted by yours truly and DJ Gill. You can find us on the iTunes Podcast Store and on Twitter at Gorgab Podcast. And while you're at it, go ahead and go check out cupholderradio.com. It's podcast for the weird at heart.